Tim Parks is a British novelist. His book Europa was shortlisted for the Booker, and his latest novel is entitled Cleaver. He left England because you met, married an, an Italian woman, and you talk about the structure of language and place, and you had some success, quote-unquote, in terms of awards by being shortlisted for the Booker back in the, in the late 90s. I've been uh, long-listed for the Booker about four times. Oh, have you? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, the books are always... How does that make you feel, then? You've, you've been long-listed, you've been shortlisted, so in other words, they're recognising your, your talent, but have you won a big award? I won the Somerset Maugham Award, the Trask Award. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the kind of awards you can you can win before you're 35 sort of thing. But these are the kind of things that cause anxiety and kind of pre-40 or maybe pre-45. You know, last year I was actually judge on a major literary prize in Italy and it was nice to get confirmation that prizes are ridiculous because you simply cannot... Just like the media. You, you know, even with the best will in the world, you, you know, if you have to read 50 books in a hurry, it does get extremely difficult after you've read five or six or seven to remember how good the first one was, you know. You just can't remember. And although it's often easy to put down books quite quickly when you realise that they're simply not prize material, you end up with just a whole range of books that you, you just... You're floundering about in. It's not like your normal reading where you're coming across an author and saying, yeah, this guy's really speaking to me. Let's be clear about this. There is no such thing as an important literary award. In terms of them them joining the canon. Right. There have been winners of the Nobel who were very poor writers. You know, one goes back to people like Sholokhov and people like that. There have certainly been winners of the book who were very poor writers. So it's more of a political or a marketing thing? No, I, well, well, it obviously is a marketing thing. Let's say someone in, who, in your estimation, is not a very good writer won the Booker. So if it's not merit... Yeah, but wait a minute. Well, I mean, that's my opinion on that writer. Other people may actually genuinely feel that that was the best book of the moment. And often at the moment, when you've got tons of stuff thrown at you, it's very difficult to know what is the best book. But the Booker has a short list which notoriously has an Englishman, an Irishman, a Scotsman, at least one woman, hopefully two, somebody coloured, somebody... You know, I mean, this is clearly a political bullshit. setup. It's bullshit. You know. it's got nothing to do with But it's anyway. still not... As, yeah, although, you know, sometimes some really good books have won the prize. For example? Kurtz's Disgrace won the prize, which was a, perhaps the best book that's been written in the last 20 years. You know, a book of extraordinary... Right, um, uh, completely in what? In I agree. agree. Well, you, you know, there are, I think he's a brilliant, brilliant. When he's on form, when he's on form, he's really very, very, very good. I, d- I didn't like the recent book so much, but that was a stunning book, and it and he did stunning. win the prize, and and you have to take your hat off to it. Was it. Poetry. It was but even so, the book is still not as stupid as the Nobel. Now, the Nobel Prize. Imagine if it, if you'd never heard of it, and you said. The whole world kneels before a bunch of Swedish, repeat, Swedish professors who read everything in a language which is not their own, okay, who are looking at translations. And, and so you have to say, well, why? I mean, you know, can we imagine a group of Congolese professors setting up a prize? I mean, why not? I mean, are they, are they Congolese inferior to the Swedish? You know, is, is there an inherent racism in the fact that this prize is... Handed out by a group of Scandinavians. It's just they got the money. It was because of dynamite. Too. There's loads of money in the world, yeah. <laughs> it was originally because of the dynamite. 
So what you have to say is, why have we accepted this? And I think the desire is, and we go back to individualism here, that we can imagine the free individual writing his book and it's having the same meaning and value all over the world, decontextualized, which is madness, because a book written in the UK is a book that speaks in the chorus of texts around it, right? Yes, but it's the, the sign of a classic is that it does transcend it that. Does, it does transcend it, but you can't tell me that Dickens doesn't mean profoundly more in the UK than it means in Japan. Or that sorrow isn't profoundly... Yes, it, it, it influences one thing. And, and also, many years were allowed to elapse in these things, you know. Mm. Whereas now, it's like this immediate... Like a book by a guy like Salman Rushdie is being translated before he's finished writing the damn thing, more or less, and often at great speed. An interesting author, though, whose work has, has caused him a great deal of anguish, pain. Yeah, I mean, Rushdie's been treated very badly, obviously, I mean, appallingly by that. I'm not a Rushdie fan, I don't like his work at all. Not even the latest one, that there, the, I think the, the editor of the Times Literary Supplement said it was his, one of his best, Shalimar the Clown, have you read it? No, I mean, I wouldn't read Rushdie again. I've read five or six books. I, I think I famously wrote the first essay that very seriously contested Rushdie's quality in the New York Review about the ground beneath her feet, which did lead to a lot of trouble for me, let me say. What kind of trouble? Yeah, I really, I really shouldn't go into that. And, and, you mean in terms of being blacklisted? or I'm not going to go into it. Put it like this, it can be difficult criticising famous people. It's a chill, libel chill. No, no, there's no question of libel, libel because... It's a chill of opinion, yeah. I certainly wouldn't write anything ad hominem about anybody. It was very a very careful analysis of the books. And really, it was an analysis of this notion, of this rather fashionable notion of the hybridization of culture. And I was just asking whether it, it actually made sense. Let's take the dumbest example. Rushdie writes a book what's it called, Harun and the Sea of Stories, in which he imagines you know, stories circulating in a kind of ocean as, as rich currents of life. And he, he imagines an, an evil cult master who wants to, to kill off stories. And so the idea is that stories of any variety, whether conflicting or not, are always positive, and that your enemy wants to kill creativity and stories altogether. Okay, I mean, I, d I don't think you need to work very hard to see the analogy that, that Rushdie is setting up there. But if you just look at it, you have to say, actually, that's not the case. You know, the, the people who've caused immense anguish to Rushdie and with whom I have absolutely no truck at all, and, and on that issue, one, there's simply no question of not, being, not supporting him in every possible way. But they also have their stories. You know, they're not without stories. They have very powerful stories. And precisely the nature of stories is to contest each other and of cultures form in opposition to each other. And so the, the idea that, that all cultures will sit down together in celebration of each other is actually a misunderstanding of what cultures and stories are, that they are opposition often. And that doesn't mean that I want in some kind of Nietzschean way to start celebrating collisions. But you just have to be aware that your enemy also has a story. And, and this is why it seems to me that a book like Disgrace, which takes on the same problems of interculturality, is just so much more intelligent. I mean, do you remember when 
David, the hero of, is Lurie, talk, yeah. David Lurie is talking about the, the black guy whose name I can't remember who lives in the, the farm by him, Petrus. And he says, well, you know, Petrus also has a story and probably a very interesting story. But I don't really want to hear that story in English because I'm still sure that story only makes sense in, in his own language. And Kotze's really there is saying, you know, cultures are separate enchantments, separate worlds, and they do conflict. Well, and that doesn't mean this other guy who's my, who in a way is my enemy, it doesn't mean that he's without his story and his justifications, but I have to oppose him because otherwise I'm going to disappear, you know. It just makes so much more sense to me than this, you know, anybody who's causing trouble is evil and uncreative. Well, they may very well like be George evil, but, but let's not... Yeah, well, it does sound, mm. funnily enough, very like, you know, although I'm sure Rushdie's a million miles from George Bush. The interesting thing with uh, Kutsia is that uh, he wrote a book called Foe, where the uh, where Man Friday had no voice, no mm. voice. Yeah, I so, read that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, our, our culture, our society shuts voices down. Yeah, and funnily enough, there in Rushdie is actually shutting down in Harun and Nasir's stories, his enemy's voice. He's not allowing him a story. One of the reasons why Kutsia was able to write a book as kind of politically incorrect as disgrace is precisely because in the past he has a track record of having spoken out so openly uh, uh, against the injustices of the past, you know. Have you ever written anything that's uh, stirred up as much uh, shit as Rusty? Well, no, for heaven's sake. It would be hard because having no particular reason to write about Islam... Well, there's other uh, issues, though. Yeah, but th there are very few other people who <laughs> will try and get a hitman on you, you know. But the mafia. I've written fairly openly about paying bribes in Italy, but the Italians have a way of just pretending that you didn't write it, you know. <laughs> it's, it's a different... Is there any other writer in the world today who's caused so much of a stir? And you feel that the stir was caused largely because it was that moment when the Islamic world was moving, or, or, or some elements in the Islamic world, which of course is vast and multifarious, no doubt, were learning what propaganda value they could be, could be had from that. I mean, you know, these small-time Danish cartoonists have managed to create an equal amount of, of stir, doing something that they probably didn't even realize. I mean, if you see those vignettes, they're you know, we've seen Christ on the cross and passing, you know, witty remarks eight million times. It's extraordinary that anybody would want to take issue. Well, with Muhammad that. had a pretty good sense of humor too. Apparently, he probably would have seen him as a bit of a joke too. I wouldn't know. I mean, I'm not sufficiently up on Muhammad's sense of humor. You know, I know that he liked young women in old age, and um, I, I guess it's hard not to sympathize with that position. Tim Parks is a British novelist. His book Europa was shortlisted for the Booker and his latest novel is entitled Cleaver. Best of luck with the book. Thanks.